Praise the Lord. All right. So uh, Sunday morning, we uh, started a message called Good, Good Father. Amen. And we looked at several scriptures along the lines of our father and just how good and how awesome he is. And we discovered this, that Jesus himself said that the father himself loves you. And in John 17, 23, he even says this, that the world may know and understand that you have loved them, speaking of us, as you have loved me. Now, <clears throat> that's quite a statement, you know, when the Father, when Jesus says that the Father loves us as he much as he loves Jesus, that is an awesome thing. Amen. Say that with me. My Father, My father loves me. As much as, as much as he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. Now we might want to get some fans going on in here, get a little air going on in the room. I don't know if there is, is any, but uh, we definitely want to freshen the room up a little bit. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And, and so then as we understand how much our Father really, really loves us and cares, cares for us, then you and I can live a life, we can live life fearlessly. In other words, we can face our future with confidence, with great expectation, because there is no fear in love. There is no fear in a person's life when they know and believe and they have accessed the Father's love by faith. That's what 1 John 4, 16 says, and we have known and believed the love that the good, good Father has to us. Amen? And so, say it with me. I have faith in my good, good Father's love for me. Amen. And as we said Sunday morning, therefore, you and I can roll, cast all of our cares completely and entirely over on him. Why is that? Because he cares for us. Hallelujah. And then we talked about several things that love does for us. We talked about how that love provides for us. That love protects us. Love forgives us. Amen. Love upholds us. Love sustains us. He keeps us from failing. He keeps us from falling. The love of God on the inside of you is the glory and the lifter up of your head. Amen. Amen. And when love loves you, brothers and sisters, you got it made. Hallelujah. You got it made when you know that love loves you. Oh, bless the Lord. I think we ought to just take a praise break right now. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name above every name. Glory to God. Amen. Now, tonight, I want to center in on some things that I started talking about on Sunday morning, but I didn't, wasn't able to talk about it in depth. So let's look at James chapter 1 and verse 17, and we'll rehearse a couple of verses that we looked at. James, the first chapter in the 17th verse, says this, that every good gift and every perfect gift 
is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, who is love, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So good things and good gifts come from above. Amen. Amen? Now, go over to Matthew and notice with me in chapter 7 and verse 11, and we'll see something that Jesus said about these good things. Matthew 7, 11 says, If ye then, being evil, or if you then, being natural, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Well, if you've got children, you want to give your children good gifts. If you've got grandchildren, you want to give your grandchildren good gifts. Well, then he goes on to say, how much more? Well, thank God, much, much more. Much, much more shall your father, your good, good father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him. Give good things to them that ask him. Amen. So every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So tonight, just for a little while, I want to take a look at the word gift, and I want to look at the word gifts, and we want to take a look at some of these gifts that our good, good Father has given us. Are you ready? Come on, let's do a little Bible study tonight. What do you say? All right. Let's look, first of all, at Romans 6, verse 23. Romans, the 6th chapter, and the 23rd verse. It says this, for the wages of sin is what? How many of you know that sin is pleasurable, but just for a season? The season ends, does it not? And so there is a wage for sin. But the gift of God, what is it? It's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this glorious, precious gift of eternal life. Eternal life with the Father of lights. Eternal life with the good, good Father. Hallelujah. In heaven is a gift that you and I have received when we we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Oh, glory to God. You've been gifted by the Father of all good gifts. Amen. And so this gift is eternal life. Then let's look over to Ephesians chapter 2. Notice with me in verse 8 and verse 9. Ephesians, the second chapter, the the eighth verse and the ninth verse says, For by grace are you saved through what? Remember, you had to access the grace of salvation through what? Grace alone can't save you. You've got to access the grace through your faith. Amen? How many of you have done that? Raise the other hand right now and thank him for it. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it wasn't of yourselves... It is what? The gift of God. It is the gift of God. Well, grace is a gift, faith is a gift, and salvation is a gift. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
Now turn over to Romans chapter 4, and notice with me a verse in verse uh, 16. Romans, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse. Our good, good Father gives good gifts. Romans 4, verse 16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, or for this purpose, that the promise might be sure to who? To all the seed. Now what seed is he talking about? He's talking about Abraham's seed. He says, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, and you are an heir according to the promise. So I just wanted to point out that it is of grace, that it might, that it is, in, in, in verse 16 it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Have you looked in the Bible lately? Yeah. Have you seen the promises of God lately? Yeah. Have you meditated on the promises of God lately? Have you discovered all that your good, good Father has given you? Have you seen with your eyes what the Word of God says concerning you? That you're a new creation. That you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That you are the healed. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Amen. And so this gift of eternal life. Contained within the gift of eternal life is another really precious, precious gift. Now let's look at Romans and notice with me in chapter 5 and we'll take a look at verse 17. Amen. What do you say we unwrap these gifts tonight? Take another look at them. Rejoice about them. Amen. And if you haven't received any of them yet, it's your night. Now is the day of your gift. Now, Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. I'm going to let my eyes rest on it just like you are. You know, it's good to have it up there. But how many of you know it's good to be able to look in your Bible yourself? Now, notice this in the, in the 17th verse. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. So this is speaking of Adam's transgression. As a result of Adam's transgression, death began to reign in the earth. But it doesn't stop there. How many of you know that God's work in Jesus was much greater than Satan's work in Adam? For by one man's death by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more. There's that word again. Pay attention to the much mores. Much more. Now notice, they which receive. Remember Sunday morning, we used that illustration about that God is looking for receivers? Just like the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders found several receivers on Sunday to beat the San Diego Chargers? Well, our Heavenly Father, amen, he's in the pocket tonight. And he's looking for receivers. He's looking for people that will believe and will receive. Amen? Amen. And so we see this. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much, much more, they which receive, how much grace? How much grace is available to the children of God? 
there is an abundance of grace available to those who will believe and those who will receive. Woo, glory, I'm preaching myself happy. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace, but not only that, and the gift. The gift. Every good gift. And every perfect gift cometh from the good, good Father from above. Those which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. So let's just ask ourselves just for a moment, what is this gift of righteousness that our good, good Father has given us? What is this perfect gift of righteousness? Is it something that we attain by our own works? How about our good looks? How about our behavior? No. No, it is a free gift. It is not a gift that you earn. It is a gift that Jesus bought and paid for on Calvary in his death, his substitutionary sacrifice, and in his resurrection from the dead. Woo, glory to God. This gift of righteousness is not something that we work for. This gift of righteousness is simply something that we open up our hearts to and say, Lord, I believe it. I receive it. I know I don't deserve it. I know that Mark Thomas in the natural is unworthy, but Mark Thomas is not Mark Thomas that he used to be. He's now a new creation in Christ. And so are you. And so there is this gift of righteousness. Really, righteousness is available to the whole world. But it is something that must be believed and received. So this gift of righteousness means this, that God has so graciously, through the abundance of grace, placed you and me into right standing with himself. You and I are in right standing with the good, good father. Glory to God. In other words, he don't see you as a sinner saved by grace. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. You are and I am. We are right in his sight. That's the way God sees you. When he looks at you, he doesn't go, oh, brother. He doesn't look at Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, what are we going to do with Reuben? No, he sees you through eyes of love. He sees you through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. This gift of righteousness puts you in right standing with God, makes you right in his sight. And one person defined righteousness as this. The ability to stand in the presence of a holy God as if sin never existed before. The ability to stand in an all-righteous God, listen to this now, without a sense of guilt or fear or condemnation or inferior inferiority. Hallelujah. You are not inferior once you become a child of God. Amen. Say it with me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
So with those thoughts in mind, let's read verse 17 together. Are you ready? Let's read. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. It does not say that we will reign when we get to heaven. It says we'll reign in this life. Amen. Amen. In other words, what that simply means is because you've been placed in right standing with God, it's a perfect gift. It's a beautiful gift. Now you can rise up and use your authority that he has given you as a child of God. And you don't have to put up with the junk that the devil tries to deliver to your house. Amen. Oh, thank God. I like that. How about you? Now, the Amplified says it this way. The Amplified in the last part of that verse, where it says you will reign in life, it says you shall reign as kings. You shall reign as kings in life. Well, I don't know whether you ever do myself to you or not, but you're looking at King Mark. Hallelujah. There's King Reuben. All right. Amen. So this righteousness, it's a free gift. Now, Meditate on that. Think on that. Talk about that. See yourself that way. It's so important. Because the enemy, he's out to condemn us. He's out to make us feel unworthy. He's out to sow his inferiority on us. And so the more that you meditate on this gift of righteousness, the stronger you will get and the more you will awake to it. Like Corinthians says, awake to righteousness and sin not. And so we see these wonderful and glorious gifts. Let's look at another. We'll look at, at, at Acts chapter 2. And notice with me in verse 38. We're going somewhere tonight, guys. Oh, thank you, Lord. Acts, the second chapter. And uh, we notice in verse 38. Now, of course, this is in the context of the day of Pentecost. And I've got Mrs. Pentecost sitting on the front row. Or Sister Pentecost. Okay. Sister Pentecost is on the front row. So if you need to be filled or you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, let Sister lay hands on you tonight. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, you know, they're discussing what happened. I mean... There came a sound from heaven, the scripture says, of a rush and mighty wind. Filled all the house where they were sitting. Peered under them cloven tongues like as a fire. Sat on all of them. The room was filled with the presence of God. The fire of God descended upon them in the upper room. Woo! And the Bible says they were all filled with hamburgers and hot dogs and started burping and belching. No, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they're discussing this in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. You know, it's a good thing to repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And, and, in other words... After you're born of God, 
after you've come into the family of God, and you shall receive what? What shall you receive? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The same gift that they had received in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Now you have the Holy Spirit in your life as a part of your life and in you by virtue of the new birth. He's like a well in you. Amen? But when the Spirit of God comes upon you and fills you, He empowers you for service. And oh, what a precious gift He is. Let us never refer to Him as it. Well, did you get it? I'm praying that you come to church tonight, brother, and you'll get it. Get it what? No. We're not talking about an it. We're talking about the third person of the Godhead. We're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a divine personality. And I believe that he's hovering over some of you tonight. And he's hovering over you and he wants to do something in you. He wants to do something for you. For some of you, he may want to fill you unto overflowing. Just like in the book of Acts. Woo! Glory to God. Just like they did in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Let's raise our hands and thank Him for it. The gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you. When I got born again, it was awesome. And this is the greatest gift, eternal life. But there was someone, I'll say it like this, missing in my life. There was something missing. Yeah, I had been off drugs for a few months and... Yes, I was still struggling with a few things, not drugs, but other things. But I tell you, a couple of weeks after I got saved, I heard about this gift of the Holy Spirit. All right. I heard about this gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and I, you know, I grew up Catholic, and I didn't really know that much about it because they didn't talk much about the gift of the Holy Spirit in Mass. Amen. But I went to this Bible study in Minneapolis. It was a living room, and it was just filled with... Wild people. It was just, it was just filled with, with people that just, man, they loved God. And, and they, were, they were singing songs from the 70s. And, and I mean to tell you, there was someone in that room that I had not experienced yet. Many times when people walk into this room, immediately they're captured and captivated by the presence of God. And that's how it was for me. And I really didn't know whether I was saved, so they gave the altar call. Anybody want to be saved? Of course, I was saved two weeks ago, and I said, yeah, I want to be saved. Anybody want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Both hands up. Yes, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And about 150 hands got on me, and they just start speaking in other tongues. And I thought, wow. This is awesome. I had been high on everything you can imagine, but this was the most high. Oh, I'm telling you, he's the most high. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Languages I'd never heard before. But oh, did I sense God's love? I sensed the Father's comfort. I sensed the Father's soothing presence. 
Just come into the city of my soul and fill me. And he's here tonight. And he's a gift. And you don't have to wait to receive the gift until everything's just perfect in your life. He came to fill imperfect vessels with his perfect Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And when he fills you with the Holy Spirit, he will perfect that which concerns you. His perfection will begin to work in your life. Glory to God. Somebody shout with me tonight. Hallelujah. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Woo, hallelujah. Wonderful gift. Wonderful gift. Oh, bless the Lord. Pouring out His Spirit all over the earth tonight. All over the USA. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's moving in churches like this and in Bible studies. He's moving in the marketplaces. He's moving in the schools. He's moving in Washington. I said by the word of the Lord, he is moving. And he's wooing people and he's drawing people into a closer fellowship and into a closer walk with Jesus. And oh, what a precious gift. What a precious gift. You know, if you were to go get some counseling um, somewhere, it might cost you quite a bit of money. Some marriage and family counselors, and of course that's what they do, and they're worthy of their hire, but sometimes you can spend 150 bucks in a session. And I'm not against that. Don't misunderstand me. But oh, there's a counselor. I said there's a counselor. There's a helper. There's a paraclete living on the inside of each and every one of us tonight. He's in this place. He's in you. And He will counsel you. He will direct you. He he will lead you. He will guide you into all the truth. He'll take a broken marriage and show you exactly what needs to be done. And He'll put it back together again. Because He is the heavenly counselor. And our good, good Father loves us so much. That when Jesus was about to leave this earth, he says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you orphans. He says, another one just like me. When I go, he's going to come on the scene. He's a counselor. Counselor. I was working out today at a place that I work out. And, man, you know, I was riding the bike and so forth and nothing too, you know, bad. But these trainers were there. And I'm telling you, they looked like they were about to kill themselves. They were going through certain types of exercises where, I mean, literally, there was just sweat pouring off their bodies, you know. And I was on my spin bike, and I went, way to go. (laughs) Hallelujah. Good going, buddy. Just just trying (laughs) to... They, they call it strength training, circuit training, all different kinds of training. Well, thank God for that. But you know what? You've got a strengthener living on the inside of you. I said, you've got a strengthener living on the in- you got the strong trainer living in you, brother and sister. He'll strengthen you. He'll harden you to difficulties. He'll make you so strong in your spirit and in your soul and even in your body that when life throws its 
biggest adversity at you. Glory to God. You'll be able to flex your spiritual muscles and say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because the stronger one's living in you. He's your strengthener. He's your counselor. He's your standby. He's your intercessor. He's your teacher. Amen. He'll tutor you. He'll show you what you need to know. Say with me, he's leading me even right now. The precious Holy Spirit. He's leading me. He's guiding me into all the truth. Okay, so that was my introduction. So we've got the gift of eternal life. We won't preach all night. We've got the gift of righteousness. And we've got the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are distributed to everyone in this room, every one of us, every one of us, there's a distribution of grace gifts that your good, good Father gives you. Every one of you have a grace gift from Him. Let's bear this out in Scripture. Romans chapter... uh, Ephesians chapter 4, let's go there first and look at verse 7. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, uh, the seventh verse. Oh, you are a good, good father. Thank you for the gifts. Hallelujah. And I just have to say that once God gives you a gift, he doesn't change his mind. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Amen. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse. And I want us to read it together. Let's go. Ready, read. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure. So every one of us, every one of us has been given grace gifts. Now, Romans 12 is a little even more clear about it. Romans the 12th chapter, the 6th verse. And we'll, we'll look over there. That's in the context of presenting your body to God and renewing your mind and having the measure of mountain moving faith. And in verse 4, I think I'll begin. It says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, or we could say it this way, all members don't have the same gifts. Right? But every one of us have a gift. Of course, we know generally we have the gift of salvation, the gift of righteousness, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But he's talking about grace gifts here. Verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy... Let us prophesy according to the, what? According to the proportion of faith. Okay? When a person prophesies, very often when they begin to prophesy, it's at a level uh, that is kind of a, a, how can you say it? it? It's according to the proportion of faith. In other words, how much faith you have on the inside of you and how much 
of God that you've allowed him to move in your life. When that occurs in your life, the prophecy will be even greater. Amen? But thank God for prophecy. Everyone say prophecy. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. So everyone has a ministry, but what is that ministry? Is it the ministry of exhortation? Is it the ministry of teaching? Or, as verse 8 says, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. How many of you know we need some good exhorters in the body of Christ? What, what does an exhorter do? An exhorter encourages people. And an, an exhorter comforts people. And you don't have to use Elizabethan English to encourage someone. Thus saith the Lord, you look great today. I'm getting in my spirit that I'm supposed to buy you lunch. No, we don't, we don't have to be pseudo-spiritual to be an exhorter. See, what an exhorter is, an exhorter is just someone that encourages you. You know, I think of your dad, George Nicolopoulos. He's a real exhorter. He's a real encourager. An exhorter comforts people. Uh, an exhorter builds people up. Every one of us should be doing that. He that exhorteth on exhortation... He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. How many of you know that we're all supposed to sow, we're all supposed to give? But God has just graced some people supernaturally to be givers. He's graced them supernaturally with witty inventions, some of them. He's graced them with just the ability to to have... Homes and real estate and huge businesses. And but to be a person that when he or she gives, they do it with simplicity. In other words, they don't sound a bugle in the center of town and says, God has gifted me. No. No, they just do it simply and easily. Amen. Now all of us are to be givers, right? And there are areas that we can give in that are outside of finances. Think about it. You can give to people. You can give them clothing. You can give them food. You can be a blessing. I believe this, that if we all prayed every day for God to show us someone that we can be a blessing to, we just have people coming across our path all over the place. Pray this with me, Lord Jesus. Help me to be a great blessing. Help me to give with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. Some people are just anointed as leaders of corporations and leaders in the church. And, and they, they get into the arena of governments and different things like that. It's an awesome gift. He that showeth mercy How should we be showing mercy? With what? With cheerfulness. With cheerfulness. Well, I don't have that gift of mercy. I just tell it like it is. I see it like it is and I tell it like it is. Well, that may be the gift of carnality. 
Because all of us are to be merciful. See, blessed are the merciful because they shall do what? They shall obtain mercy. We'll get the mercy of God. But there are just some people, man, that is their bent. I mean, they are just, I mean, supernaturally gifted to be merciful. I mean, it just oozes out of them. Pastor Nancy's like that. She's got a major, major mercy gift. Amen? So perhaps some of you see in your life this mercy, this exhortation, this ruling, this giving. See, these are gifts that come from your good, good Father. Now, look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's get down to the crux of this. 1 Peter chapter 4. Somebody shout amen. amen. He's my good, good father. Learn to appreciate the gifts that others have. And don't covet their gifts. Be glad for the giftings upon your brothers and your sisters in Christ Jesus. And you just be diligent and cherish and value the gift that God's given you. In other words, don't compare yourself with other people. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. And God has gifted you especially for your race. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. As every man has done what? Now, where else did we see this word receive? We saw it in Romans 5, 17. Receive the gift of righteousness. So these gifts then that God so graciously gives must be received. They must be received. So once they, once we have received the gift, even so then, minister these gifts the same one to another. See, these girls and Pastor Tom and the music team are gifted. They helped us to minister unto the Lord. But in a sense, they were utilizing their gift of leadership in that area to all of us so that we could get on the bus and go with them. Amen? So, as every man has received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another. I mean, in the body, there should be grace gifts flowing. Come on, somebody. And it says, as good stewards of what? As a good steward. In other words, this gift comes from him. It really comes from him. He gives it to us. But we're here just to steward it. We are good stewards of the manifold grace of God. How are we stewarding? And I ask myself this question. I have to look in the mirror and ask myself, Mark, I don't call myself pastor. Mark. Brenda doesn't get up in the morning and say, what would you like to eat today, Reverend Thomas? No, I have to look myself in the mirror and say, Mark, how are you cultivating, how are you developing this grace 
that God has given you. What are you doing with it? All of us will answer to God. Come on. For what God, the good, good Father, has given us. And so you know what? The answer is, we shall be faithful. No, we're not going to ever be perfect. Amen? Because we're constantly growing and we're constantly developing and we're constantly cultivating these precious gifts that God has placed on the inside of us. You've got to cherish what God's given you. You've got to value what God's placed on the inside of you. And then say, Lord, help me to grow in it. Help me to develop in this. Help me to cultivate this gift. Amen? Amen. Pray this right now with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help me to cultivate and to develop what you have so graciously placed on the inside of me. Now, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is what I got just right before we came to church. These three words. Cherish, value, and cultivate. Cherish, mm-hmm. value, and cultivate Good. what he's given you. Mm-hmm. I haven't read this scripture in many, many years but in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, not that I haven't read the Bible, but I haven't taught on this for many, many years. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. That good thing, that good gift, which was committed unto you, keep. How? Keep the gifts that God has so graciously given you, protect them, cherish them, cultivate them, keep them by the Holy Ghost. Amplified, 2 Timothy 1.14. One translation says, You've been trusted with a wonderful treasure. (laughs) Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Who lives within you. Say this with me. I've been trusted. With a wonderful treasure. And I will guard it. With the helper. The precious Holy Spirit. Who lives within me. Guard the gift. Guard the gift. Guard it. Protect your spirit. With all diligence, for out of your heart, you see, will flow the issues of life. Guard what God has given you. Amplified says it this way, 2 Timothy 1.14. I I ran out of space on my note here, so I don't have it. But 2 Timothy 1.14 in the Amplified says, uh, 1 Timothy, thank you. No, it's it's 2 Timothy 1.14. Yeah, Second Timothy. There, there we go. Thank you, guys. Sorry about that. Okay, let's read it together. Come on. Guard and keep with the greatest care 
the precious and excellently adapted truth which has been entrusted to you by the help of the Holy Spirit who makes his home in us. So this begs the question then, and we don't have time to go into it in depth, but how do we guard it? How do we guard it? Now, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 6. Let's look at the King James Version. 2 Timothy 1.6 Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. And that's all I'm doing tonight, guys. I'm putting you into remembrance. That thou stir up That thou what? Stir up. That's not good enough. That thou what? Stir up. Let's just say it like this. Stir up. Stir up. I remember one time in Minneapolis, Brother Copeland was speaking. And uh, he used an illustration one time about how that there was such great joy in the body of Christ and he wasn't feeling any of it. Anybody ever been in a joy service and people were rejoicing and you didn't feel a thing? Well, I'll raise both hands. Well, Brother Copeland was in one of those meetings, evidently, and he was kind of feeling a little bit down, and he started talking to himself. This is one way that you guard what God's given you. He started talking to himself, and he said, Kenneth, get stirred up. And then he'd say, I'm stirred up now. I'm stirred up now. I'm stirred up now. I walked up to him in Minneapolis one day. I looked at him and said, Brother Kenneth, I'm stirred up now. (laughs) But it is not my responsibility to stir you up. It is your responsibility to stir yourself up. Now I'm going to exhort, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach. And you're going to get stirred up. But you're going to need to stay stirred up on Monday afternoon. And stay stirred up on Tuesday night. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance. Here's what we do, guys. We cultivate, we stir up the gift of God, which God has so graciously given us. And how do I stir up the gift of God? I encourage myself in the Lord. You know, I look at myself in the mirror sometimes and I'll say, you are anointed in the name of Jesus. Feel as dry as a bone. You are a man of God and God lives on the inside of you. And you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. People just can't wait to hear what you have to say. I mean, I said that when they were staying away by the hundreds. Just stir myself up. You got to stir yourself up in the night season. Stir yourself up when no one's around. Get yourself encouraged. Have yourself a revival in your living room when no one else is there. Huh? Have yourself a revival right there in your business. Just run the aisles. Woo! Glory! We're having revival. If ain't no one going to be revived in this place, I'm going to be revived. 
If ain't nobody going to be anointed with fresh oil, I'm one. I stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Another way that you stir up the gift and you keep it active is by using it. There's so many gifted people in the body of Christ that are not using their gifts. And they're waiting for somebody to recognize them and put them in a position so that they can use their gift. And that is totally erroneous. You use your gift right where you're at. You use it on a Monday morning, brother. You use it on a Saturday night. You be faithful and just keep yourself stirred up. Pray much in the Holy Ghost. Sing much in the midnight hour. Someone said, you know, when we pray, we enter into His presence. But when we praise, He enters into our presence. <laughs> let's stand to our feet and let's praise Him for a moment. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, that was what you call a spatter barrel message tonight. Say with me, I receive in my heart the good word of God. In the name of Jesus. Let's just pray just a moment right now. Go ahead. Out of your heart right now. Let's just pray and praise a moment. Thank him for the gifts of God that he's placed on the inside of us. Oh, blessed be the name. We stir up the gift of God for this nation right now. We thank you that the USA was a gift. And so we stir up this gift in the name of Jesus by praying for an awakening.